This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is the Ave Explorers Lenten mini series. I was at a youth conference this past weekend in South Carolina, and it was a really unique conference. Most youth conferences kind of look the same. There's talks, there's entertainment, there's music, there's normally adoration and worship, there's mass, typically with the bishop. There's kind of these these key things that happen in pretty much any youth conference I've ever spoken at. But this one was really unique because it was led almost entirely, other than myself and the other keynote speaker, no adults really touched a microphone. It was led entirely by teenagers. This diocese has um, what's called an E-team. It's this group of young people who gather together and commit to going to these monthly meetings to plan and put on this youth conference for their peers. And when I tell you these young people were a well-oiled machine, knew where they needed to go and what they needed to do and how, how excellent what they were doing needed to be, they did. No adult was really pulling the strings. They were just this well-oiled machine. But then on top of it, there was this beautiful disposition within all these teenagers. And I think a lot of it probably comes from the formation that they go through and the attitude of this long-standing group of young people that's existed for many, many years here in this diocese. But every single young person seemed to be on the team and committed to doing this work because they really, truly wanted to enhance the gifts of the others with whom they were serving. I noticed this incredible spirit of humility in what all of these young people were doing and the way that they would perform or they would share or they would speak or they would wipe down a table after dinner and the way that they supported each other and prayed for each other. Every time I was anywhere where I needed to go speak, there was a, a young person asking me, has somebody prayed with you? At the end of the conference, watching them support one another and, and congratulate each other and, and just... They were truly cheering each other on. There was this intense and beautiful spirit of humility running as kind of this golden thread through this group of young people. This was on my mind as I was flying from Columbia over to St. Louis, Missouri. And um, I stopped to see some friends of mine for lunch, and uh, we were talking, and, and my friend David was on this team when he was in high school growing up in South Carolina. And he asked me what I thought of it, and I was just describing to him how impressed I was with the young people. And before I could even get the words, they're just so humble, out of my mouth, he said, yeah, there really is a spirit of humility that's fostered within the group. And it was so cool to hear that that's kind of part of their ethos, because it was definitely something I observed. The thing about humility is it's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. You don't necessarily get to walk around and say, I'm such a humble person, but you can try to embody humility within our lives. And during the season of Lent, I think we're intentionally invited into being more humble and learning how to be humble and learning what humility truly is because this is a very humbling, sometimes humiliating season. We give up coffee and we might be a little grumpier in the office. And so we have to learn how to overcome that grumpiness first thing in the morning because we didn't have the cup of joe. Or we were humbled by the fact that this fasting and the sacrifice is really difficult. And we kind of begin to see some of our own weaknesses and our rough edges. Or giving alms, being generous, stretches us to the, to, to the end point, almost to the breaking point. And we start to maybe see kind of how selfish we've been. And, and that, that can be very humbling. You know, I, I, I think that since humility is kind of hard to define and it's this, 
this sometimes very fluid thing that we know when we see it, but it's hard to maybe sometimes embody within our own life that during the season of Lent to focus on that, that spirit and that attitude and that virtue of humility, one of the best books that you could pick up to learn about it is written by one of the most humble guys I know, my, my good friend, Joel Stepanek. Joel and I had the pleasure of meeting a few years ago at a youth conference, and I was so struck by two things. The first was just how funny he was. He's just a funny guy that has a great sense of humor. The second was one of the first things he said. He shook my hand when we first met each other at the conference venue, and he said, I'm, I'm so excited to serve with you this weekend, Katie. And I loved that because he has a servant's heart, which is really the root of humility, this attitude of service, this attitude of selflessness, this attitude of giving, because you recognize that others are worth giving to. Joel is the guy to write the book on humility because he is so humble, and he would never say that about himself. That's why I'm saying it for him. And we brought him onto the show this week because what he has to say about humility is super important for the season of Lent. Because Lent is humbling and because we're called to grow in this virtue throughout the course of this 40 days, I really think you'll enjoy this conversation. You know, Joel, Joel and I know each other, of course, from youth ministry and this background and working conferences together, but we've gotten to know each other because our families have spent time together, because we, we talk about life. We don't just talk shop and ministry when we, when we get to hang out. And I know that he's a diehard Packers fan, and I always say, go, Pack, go, every chance I get when I'm around him. He's a good guy, and he's got a lot of great things to share. And I think his book, Chasing Humility, would be an excellent addition to your Lenten reads and as a reminder, you can go grab his book and all the other books that we've talked about in this series and all the other Linton resources over at AveMariaPress.com. If you use the code EXPLORELENT, all caps, all one word, you'll get 25% off your order and free shipping. So without further ado, a conversation with one of the most humble men I've ever had the pleasure of being friends with and knowing and working with and serving with, my good friend and author of Chasing Humility, Joel Stepanek. <laughs> Well, Joel, thanks so much for joining us on Ave Explores. Thanks for having me, Katie. It's really good to be with you. So it looks like you're in your office, which is in Arizona. Um, mm -hmm. So tell me what you do, who you are, where you are. Yeah, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, to be specific, Gilbert, Arizona. Um, and I am the vice president of parish services at Life Team. So I get to work with the teams uh, within the organization that support parishes through resources, curriculum, coaching, our digital evangelization efforts, video support. It's a lot of fun. Work with a great team of people, and it's wonderful to come alongside parishes as they help teenagers encounter Jesus, become disciples and evangelists. So tell me a little bit more about Life Teen for the person who might not know who you guys are, what you guys do, um, the mission statement, the goal, the vision. Yeah, Life Team, we're a movement of the Holy Spirit, and we believe that when a teenager encounters Jesus Christ through the beauty of the Catholic Church, that uh, they change and transform their parish, their community, their culture. And for that reason, we want to be the most innovative in our efforts to proclaim the gospel to them and help them become disciples and evangelists. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I've, I've seen the fruits of it personally. Um, so definitely go check LifeTank. We'll have some links down in the show notes. Um, but you specifically, as a VP there, you, you really kind of have a cool job. You work with these teams. You get to travel a lot. Uh, you and I know each other from speaking ministry. Where's, where's your heart, really? What drew you to want to work for them to focus on young people specifically, both professionally and, and in your own personal life? One of the things I think is great about Life Team and Drew Me Too, I was a youth minister for many years uh, in a parish, and I think that's really where the grassroots work of it 
where the angelization happens. That's where things matter. Everything Life Team does is designed to be a support for teenagers and then to support teenagers via their parish. So as a result, we know that the fruits of what happened are at a parish. And just being able to empower people to coach them, I have a real heart for developing good resources. And I love to be innovative. And I think that's one of the things that we strive to do at Life Team is to look at not just what do youth ministers and priests and DREs need in a parish today, but what are they going to need a year from now, three years from now, five years from now? Because to be ready for those things, we have to be building them today mm-hmm. so that they can be ready for where people are at tomorrow. I just love that. And the people here are just sold out for the gospel. They've got a heart for the mission, and that makes it a blast, too. Yeah, I, um, I'm especially struck by the innovation part. I've seen that firsthand um, in the resources, in the way that different parishes are implementing them. Kind of in that vein, though, you have written two books. So your first with Life Teen and your second with Ave Maria Press. Tell us a little bit about those, because a book is not innovative by any means. I mean, books have been around for a long time, but the topics, I think, are super innovative that you've written about. Yeah, I've, got, I've, I've written a, a couple books, which is cool. Um, the first one, the, the longest one, I, I guess, at this point. Well, no, that's not true. The first thing I ever wrote with Life Team was a book actually for youth ministers called Greatest Job on Earth, Seven Virtues of an Awesome Youth Minister. That was your book? It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I didn't. I had that book on my shelf when I was a youth minister. I remember the cover. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, it's a circus one. Yep. So that one. uh, Then True North is a book on discernment. I love uh, spiritual discernment and especially uh, the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius of Loyola. So it's based off the first week spiritual exercises at a level that a teen or young adult could really implement as a daily practice. Um, there's a couple smaller things I've written, getting more out of confession. Um, I'm working on another book right now called getting more out of baptism, which is kind of cool. Um, and then a book for life team for guys called XY, an authentic uh, guide to authentic masculinity and then chasing humility, which is a book with Avi Maria, which I, uh, loved writing. I, I, it was fun to write a book about humility as fun as humility could possibly be. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. I know it follows the litany of humility, which is, I call it the Lord Voldemort of prayers. Like it's the prayer that should not be prayed unless you're ready for something radical to happen. Um, why humility? I mean, you're a pretty humble guy, but you say like a person that says, oh, I'm going to write a book about humility because I'm humble. That doesn't, that doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. So that's not why you wanted to write it. What, what drew you to that virtue and that concept? I found and I really believe that we are all des- we all desire fulfillment, right? God made us to be fulfilled, to be whole, and to be whole is to be holy. And the path towards holiness is through humility. And so it's this weird, I think, especially in our society and culture, there's a tension of like, oh, what does humility mean? And the secret is that when we engage humility, we grow in holiness. And when we grow in holiness, we actually find ourselves being happy, fulfilled, And when we're happy and fulfilled, a fruit of that is success and joy. And I think that those are things people want. But we're going down this pathway culturally, I think, where humility is misunderstood. And as a result, people are missing that trailhead into holiness. And it's such an easy one if we know where to look and how to walk it. Yeah. So in the season of Lent, what can a person do to maybe pay attention a little more to those markers that lead them to that trail. You know, the church calls us to pray and to fast and to give alms. That's all pretty humbling stuff. I mean, prayer is talking to God and recognizing you're not God. Fasting, especially when you fail at fasting, you you make a mistake, that can be super humbling right away. Um, giving alms 
obviously you're trying to be generous, but in that generosity, sometimes you're confronted with poverty or you're confronted with, with things that other people don't have. And so that can be a, a real shock to the system of recognizing, oh my gosh, what I do have and I've not taken advantage of it. So what, I'm not trying to answer the question for you, but how is humility kind of one of those things that we can focus on more in this season? Humility, you really set it up, is the underpinning of all three pillars of Lent. Like, in the catechism, it says that prayer is the foundation of, uh, humility is the foundation of prayer. So if we don't know who we are before God, and that, as you said, God is God and we're not, then we can't really pray. Humility is the foundation of almsgiving because it's detachment. It's not about the things I have. It's about being able to hold that with a loose hand and give and bless others with that. And then in fasting, there's a humility in recognizing that my bodily needs are not the end all be all of of who I am, and that mm-hmm. I, there's something greater that sustains me. So growing in humility actually makes those things easier and more fruitful. But I think we have a misperception of what humility is. And as a result, we hit these distortions where fasting becomes all about what I'm going to do for God, right? Not what God is going to do in and through me and for me as I fast. It's like, well, God, I gave up this great sacrifice for you. And I think I'd add too to it that when we talk about fasting, this has been a helpful distinction for me as a sidebar that sometimes we're like, oh, I'm going to fast from this thing, which is actually a sin. It's like, I'm going to give up uh, drinking and getting drunk every night for Lent. Well, that's something that we should actually repent for, which is a part of Lent too, right? Repentance. So I think that when we do that and we say, well, I'm going to give this up, we can have things we repent of. Like I'm going to repent of getting drunk every night and I'm never going to go back to that. But I'm also going to give up meat all Lent, which is something I will go back to. You know, I, I went vegan for Lent one year and never again. But that's a whole different podcast with all the stories around that. But I think that's the, the key is when we fast and we're humble, we're like, God, this isn't me doing something for you to please you. Right. It's about me being humble enough to say, I need to let go of some things and decrease so you can increase in me yeah. and being open to what that looks like. Humility is the foundation of all that. But if we have this misperception of humility, like, well, humility is me being self-deprecating or humility is contradictory to self-care. I've heard that, like, that's not self-care. That's not, that's not really thinking about your career. That's not having confidence in yourself. And we skip that, then, then Lent becomes all about us, yeah. not about what God wants to do in and through us. Yeah, if we don't let God kind of show us what we're called to give up. I mean, this Lent, Tommy and I, are give, my husband, um, are giving up Netflix after 7 p.m., um, and we, the, we'd said specifically Netflix. And so like the first day we're like, Oh, well the loophole is Hulu and Amazon and Disney plus. Right, and right. we're like, ah, no, we should probably just give up streaming after seven o'clock. And, and it's led us to like the first couple of days after that, we were like, Oh, well, we're just, we're finding that we're on our phones more. So let's just go technology free after seven o'clock, unless it's like a necessary thing. So we ordered groceries last night with our phone, but that's led to conversations between each other. That's led to reading more. That's that led to opportunities to pray, which were things that we both knew we needed to focus on together as a couple. And, and God has to illuminate those kinds of things. And that can be really humbling. What's you, so you did allude to maybe your most humbling Lent. Um, tell me about the vegan Lent. Well, yeah. So the vegan Lent, we, my wife and I, it was one of our first years of marriage. I think it actually was our first year of marriage. We're like, what are we going to give up for Lent? Let's go vegan. And it was one of those things that, to be honest, was like, oh, that's a hard thing to do. 
let's really do the hard thing because we're going to do something for God, right? Which is not how Lent works. But we went vegan. But with Life Teen, we were doing a blog series at the time called Stuff Youth, uh, Youth Ministers Like, which is a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff of like several blog in that mm-hmm. vein. It's, it's a meme of a blog. And we were wrapping it up and the finale was going to be actually be a video finale of me and one of my coworkers doing this pizza challenge, which is a 24 inch pizza, gigantic 20. It's, it sounds, <laughs> it's way bigger than you are imagining it right now. If yeah. you're listening, just know that it's way bigger than that. And the goal is to eat this full pizza, two people in one hour. And a pizza is not vegan. It is like cheese is not vegan. And uh, the crust, not vegan. Mm-mm. So this is a couple weeks into Lent of being completely vegan. And of course, being vegan on Sundays because, you know, I'm not going to use the Sunday loophole. And I've got to eat this pizza. And mistakes were made throughout that whole process. Uh, you should, If you're ever going to do that, just listener, if you're ever going to eat a full pizza, eat it fast. Like, that's the key. I got concerned that my stomach was going to explode. So I ate it slow. But the cheese congeals. The crust gets tough to eat. Uh. It's lukewarm. It is bad on so many levels. So that's what I did. I did not finish it. Not only did I not finish it, my teammate did, and he actually ate some of what I was supposed to eat, but I went in the bathroom and got violently ill, oh. like just horrifically, horrifically sick. And it was humbling. It was, at a, work. It was a moment. At, yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> we were at the restaurant, so I like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's it was bad. A, so no more vegan lens. Um, no more vegan lens. What are, would, would you share with us what you're focusing on for this lens? Yeah, for this period, it, it's really like silly, but uh, I I go in and I take a shower for two minutes. That's it. A quick one. Quick shower. Yeah. Quick showers. Yeah. Is that, is that you, harder? Is yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty hard. Like, there's just, I do my best thinking. We all do. When yeah. We're taking a shower. Yep. This I listen to like, podcasts. Yeah. And it's, it's like, and the thing is it's time away from like the kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like that moment of, okay, before my day getting mentally set. Um, but it's a really simple thing, but I'm like, okay, this is going to, at the beginning of my day, the idea is it's a very simple action mm-hmm. that calls to mind that this season is different and that the Lord can do something different yeah. within this season. So nothing crazy, nothing super extreme, just something basic. But if you're out there, try it, set your phone timer for two minutes yeah, and, you know, make sure that you are a cleanly hygienic person, <laughs> but quick showers. It's tougher. It's tougher than you think. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. Cause like I'm thinking about my morning routine. I definitely lollygag. Um, and like, I'll set Rose up in front of like a Clifford episode and give her her breakfast and make sure she's contained in the high chair <laughs> And then I just go take my sweet time because it's like, it's, it's me time. And really we only have about 90 minutes in the morning before she goes mm-hmm. to school. Like I should try to use some of that time to, to be a little more intentional with her. So that, that's a good one. That's a, that's a good challenge. Um, yeah. I get, you could extend it and set a limit on your morning routine. Yeah, say, for sure. Morning, this is the time. And then that's, you have to parcel out those blocks of time. Yeah, and be like, yeah. well, this is how much time I'm using for X, Y, or Z. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a challenge. It's a fast of intentionality in a, mm-hmm. in a unique way, which again, can, can be super humbling. Um, yeah. what, what are some words of encouragement to people who maybe, and I'm, I'm one of these people really don't like Lent. Um, you know, like we know we have to do it. This is what the church invites us to do. We, we know why it exists, but it's still kind of tough. 
Um, yeah. and we feel like we fail. What, what are some, some words that, you know, the punch in the arm that you can give to people? I think it's back to that statement that Lent is not about what I'm going to do for God. Lent is about what God wants to do in and through my life. And having the humility to do that, I think it goes back to that and saying, I am humble enough to fast from this thing, to make alms, to, to give, uh, even in, a, in areas where I'm, like, I'm co- uncomfortable with that financially, um, to pray more and allow that to be moments of intimacy. But if I'm humble enough to accept what God will do through that, and that comes in like one of two ways, like check this out. We know people, and I've been this person, I've been both people, I bet a lot of folks have too, where either God wants to give me something good and I want to reject it because I'm like, I don't deserve it. And I'm going to ignore the blessing and because that's what you're supposed to do. Or God wants to discipline me, not like, not from like a standpoint of I've done something wrong, but discipline is like, mm-hmm. God wants to build discipline in me. And I'm like, I don't need that. And so we can go one of those two ways, but the humility in Lent and saying it's about what God wants to do for me is being open to both the blessing in Lent and being able to focus and grasp hold of those things and say, wow, I'm attaining an intimacy with God. He's blessing me. I'm grateful. And we can be grateful in a season of Lent. Like we can rejoice in that. We can be, we can celebrate what the Lord is working in our hearts. And then to accept the disciplines of the Lord to say, when things happen that cause me to grow or I'm introspective in myself and recognize my guilt for sins or recognize the areas I need to grow or the times that I fail to not get down on those things and be like, oh, I'm a horrible person, but to embrace it. I think I've been really big on this lately. Um, the idea of shame versus guilt, which is a Brene Brown thing off the Brene Brown. If you oh, for sure. She's got lots of good ideas. Uh, I know that there are going to be some folks who are like, yeah, but she's got some wonky ideas too. We can read things that yeah. from people who have, have all kinds of ideas. That's mm-hmm. called discernment of knowledge. And it's a part of scholarship. <laughs> um, and it's just, you wrote a book it's, about it. <laughs> it's a necessary part of scholarship. You have to be able to, to separate things you agree with and rest with things you don't. Uh, but the idea, I think, and that's key, like humility changes us from shame to guilt because shame makes us want to hide. I do something wrong and I, I like, I'm a bad person. I am, I am a cheater, an adulterer of, of whatever, blah, 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 uh, this thing, an addict. But guilt says I have cheated. I have done something wrong. I have sinned. And that's not my identity. That's recognizing and taking ownership of my fault. And guilt pushes me towards reconciliation. And reconciliation requires humility. So even in Lent, as we examine our faults and we go to reconciliation, it's a time for us to put aside shame and saying, I am this, this is my identity. And to embrace guilt, which some people are going to be like, of course, Catholic guilt. Guilt leads us towards reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Guilt is a humble thing that recognizes I am good, but I have done something outside of my integrity and my identity. And I need to make amends for that. I need to make atonement for that and be back in right relationship. Um, But that's only possible with humility. Lacking humility shame creeps in yeah humility allows us to be guilty and guilt allows us to be forgiven yeah guilt leads to repentance and we catholics are very good at that like you said um but i, I think we get a bad rap at, at that as catholics because we'll make we'll know we'll make those little side comments oh, i got guilted into volunteering i got guilted mm-hmm. into giving it's like no that's not what true guilt is um that was somebody just pressuring you and you just yeah. kind of gave into it right guilt yep. is an acknowledgement of my my stumbling blocks, but recognizing that God can move those blocks out of the way for me if I let him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it goes back to the C.S. Lewis quote, uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, did I get that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's always a, a tricky little phrase, but that, that 
Lent is not just a season for us to say, oh, well, I'm going to go on this spiritual diet. I'm going to do these, these 10 things to make this habit. It's, it's really about building this disposition within us. And humility is a huge part of that. Well, it helps us navigate the world in which we're in. I think that's, that's the other thing is people are like, how is this going to help me? I had a guy, I did a men's session once. It was an older group of guys, businessmen. I did the whole thing on humility. And I think this is part of why like, we don't sometimes like Lent. Because we're like, well, what is that going to get me to? But the whole bit on humility, I was talking about uh, really since they were businessmen, humility and leadership and what that looks like and how we employ that in our corporations and in our jobs. And I was talking about things like, you know, it's about sharing praise. It's about pointing out when other people do things well to your boss. You know, it's about not stealing credit for things, all stuff that happens. And we've all experienced in a workplace where someone's taking credit or we take credit. And a gentleman raised his hand and said, you know, that's all well and good when you're like at an executive level. But like, we're out here grinding. Like, we have to do those things. We have to be, essentially, he was like, we have to be ruthless at work. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to provide for our families. And the thing is, that's, that's where people stumble. And that we think that humility is going to destroy us, but it's not. I love, the C.S. Lewis quote's awesome. There's a quote from the Desert Fathers that, about humility that I, I'm mindful of. And it's, I looked out in the world and saw it covered with the snares of the devil. And I said, what can pass through them? And a voice whispered to me, humility. Mm. And I think I love that. Like what can pass through the snares of the devil that exists in this world all over the place, trappings, even in good things, humility. That's, that's where we're passed through all of those traps. Yeah. I think that's, and the, Lent teaches us. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I think that's the perfect way that was from the desert fathers. You said, yeah. Early sayings of the desert fathers. If, if y'all don't have that book, Pick it yeah. up. It's a great I, volume. I like the version from Penguin. Uh, it breaks down the sayings really into like categories. Great stuff. We'll put a, a link in the show notes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a church father's course in college, uh, which was, it was a three hour course on a Wednesday night. And it's the only course that I think I would have been able to tolerate for three hours on a Wednesday night. Once yeah. a week. Um, but it was the, this was the only course this professor taught. And those guys, I mean, obviously the, the wisdom of the church fathers, the desert, just profound. Um, I think that's a perfect place to kind of end. Uh, where can folks find you, find your travel schedule, find your stuff? Um, where's the Joel Stepanek hub in the world? Yeah. I mean, check out lifeteam.com of course, with all of the work we do here. Uh, that's a great place. Um, joelstepanek.com is, you know, there's some, some things up there. Uh, if you're interested in connecting and serving together, that's a great place to go. Um, I am on Twitter, but have pulled, I am not active on Twitter. The last time I tweeted was like in May. <laughs> Twitter's not a good place to follow me. Instagram though. I like, uh, Instagram and I full disclosure on Instagram. I talk about fitness. I talk about Jesus. I, uh, I share about my books. That's, that's the hub for that. So that's, um, LT underscore J Stepanek on Instagram. That's a good place for people to go and, yeah. and follow. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, Joel. We appreciate it. It was awesome. I think you could probably tell from that conversation, again, that Joel's a pretty humble guy, but has some pretty awesome ideas to share about not just humility, but but really how Lent is this season of sacrifice that shows us how to be more humble. I always struggle with how to wrap up a good interview, and um, this time I'm, I'm especially struck by that that saying from the Desert Fathers that, that helped him so much, that the way to get through the snares of this world is by adopting, by embodying a spirit of humility. 
And that Lent is oftentimes a season filled with snares, that life in general is just filled with snares, but that especially during Lent when we're called to be more focused on our prayer and our fasting and our giving alms, taking it day by day, recognizing the suffering that can come, but also recognizing what God is inviting us to by taking on these Lenten sacrifices and this Lenten generosity and this intentional focus of conversation with him, that something profound can really happen. And that if we have a humble heart as we go through that desert, something remarkable can truly happen. You know, I, I love how Joel's also pretty honest about, you know, Lent can be tough. That, that vegan Lent wasn't easy, but that, that oftentimes it's the small sacrifice that makes the big difference. The, the giving up a long shower, that, that just one simple mortification every day can make him a little more aware of maybe what the Lord is inviting him to. So maybe this week as we wrap up this podcast and as we continue through our Lenten journey and you maybe pick up a book, pick up a copy of Chasing Humility by Joel, that that you think about a small mortification, a small sacrifice that would humble you in some way, but would invite you into closer relationship with Christ, that would allow you to enter a little further into the desert, a little more into what God might be asking of you during this season, and that God... God is inviting us into something during the season of Lent, and we should pay attention to what that is and be humble enough to recognize that movement of him within our lives and then be that humble person within the world. Of course, you can get Joel's book, Chasing Humility, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart, over at AveMariaPress.com. We'll have a link down in the show notes. Remember, of course, to use the code EXPLOREELENT so you can get 25% off your whole order plus free shipping. And you can, of course, go get all the other books that have been um, talked about throughout this Lenten series from Gary Zemak, Greg Kandra, Emily Diardo, as well as other excellent Lenten resources that are available, again, linked down in the show notes. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have conversations with my husband, Tommy McGrady, and and our Lenten book, which was written for young people. Uh, An excellent conversation coming up with Joyce Rupp, Mary Lenneberg, and a wonderful chat with my good friend, Father John Burns, who we had on the show in season two. So remember to rate and subscribe so that you don't miss anything. Um, And of course, like we said, we'd we'd be very grateful for a rating so that more people can find this podcast and, and take advantage of what we're creating for Ave Explorers.